You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music innovation and tech. And today we're jumping further into a very hot topic, AI music and how it's shaping the industry as we know it. What issues is it presenting? How does it relate to music creativity? What are, what are all the things that we could be talking about there? So today, I'm sitting down with Brooke Jackson. Brooke is a Grammy Award-winning singer and music industry veteran. Most recently, Brooke was a researcher and head of business operations at Water & Music, which has gone deep in the AI music world lately. Previously, Brooke was a concert promoter for theaters and clubs, was general manager at Paradigm Ta- Talent Agency, and at the Global Talent management company YMU, where she was COO of North America. Now she oversees operations, HR, and finance for generative music platform Amy with such diverse, significant industry experience. I am pumped to have her on the show. Brooke, welcome to Music Tectonics. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, really, that is a really cool mix of things that you've done <laughs> from working, you know, kind of in a in this, I don't know what you call water and music, this media uh, research community entity, um, working with a, yeah. as a concert promoter, that's like right in the field, as well as with uh, management companies, um, being a songwriter, uh, a singer yourself, uh, pr- pretty cool. And then now you're working in AI yourself. So we're, it's like you, we've got a lot of the, the boxes ticked here. Yes, I've covered almost all of the music industry, except for labels, which is a big one. So, um, but yeah, I've been following a thread for a while. It also takes some time. So (laughs) I've been doing this for a while. Nice. Well, great to have you here. So we're going to dive right in. Why is AI such a hot topic for music right now? Yeah. So right now, clearly the big thing that's happened is um, ChatGPT and Dolly too. All the stuff that um, OpenAI is doing um, has captured probably the hearts and minds of people. And um, generally, it seems like people are are using it as part of their daily lives now. And it's really so mind-blowing what it can do and so well that I think everyone's thinking about, okay, how is this going to change all of the other industries? So, you know, really when it comes to why, you know, why everybody's talking about AI, it's because there've been so many advancements over the last few years in terms of um, compute and um, CPU and the cost of compute that makes all of this possible. So it's not that it's a new thing, you know, it's not a new technology. It's just that what's possible thanks to advancements in compute have made all of this um, really just take off over the over the last um, couple of years. And I think with what we're seeing in terms of what OpenAI has done, it's really it's really advancing it into the future in a way that we haven't seen um, prior. So really a combination of just um, sort of efficiency in, in, in technology as well as a use case that kind of sparked everybody's uh, imaginations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Got it. Got um, it. And we're seeing some neat things and a lot of stuff that's been you know, headline, headline clicking um, kind of stuff that um, is bringing everyone and everyone into it. And um, you're, you know, everybody's imaginations are really running wild now. It's so funny to see all the LinkedIn posts about prompt engineering <laughs> and and this whole field that that comes up. It makes me wonder, like, is that going to be what? some future music components going to be is like prompt engineering for music. <laughs> Maybe it, it might be a genre. Uh, yeah, there you go. I, 
I sort of hope not, but um, I, yeah, I definitely think that it's a new, it's going to be a new type of creativity that um, people are getting into. And I, I assume you've dug into it too. It is, it is a bit addictive and it does feel like a new art form. It's true. It, but on, on the other hand, it kind of reminds me of Microsoft macros when you were trying to <laughs> accelerate how quickly you could do stuff in Excel or, or Word or something. And you're like, I'm going to create a macro to do this, 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 this. And it's like you can really nerd out on it, right? <laughs> yeah. Get really complex. And it feels like you're doing computer programming without doing computer programming. Um, I guess there the natural is. language component of it, it for the prompt side of it is is is. It's addictive because it's so accessible in some ways, and you can play with what's going to happen. So what are the issues in AI music specifically that the music industry is grappling with right now? Yeah, I think the most obvious one is copyright issues. So um, a, lot of the, a lot of the advancements that's been done in terms of music has been um, trained on copyrighted music. So there have been a few companies that have gotten in trouble with that. Um, Clearly, some of the voice synthesis stuff that we're seeing um, grab the headlines like the Weekend of Drake song and um, some of the tools that are being used, um, you know, even with consent um, to use other people's voices. I think that's sort of that, ooh, you know, robots taking over our jobs and, you know, kind of stuff, a deep fake stuff that's um, getting people afraid. But I think in terms of actually working with artists and doing things um uh, alongside and collaboratively with artists is um, sort of the the ethical mix of, you know, not doing harm with tech um, and making sure that we're including the human aspect and not just, um, you know, taking taking what's been done and then monetizing that in some sort of like plagiaristic kind of way. Um, so, um, yeah, I think the consent and understanding the laws um, are, are the big issues um, in terms of music and artistic AI right now. Um, and that's something that Amy, and we can certainly talk about mm -hmm. um, Amy um, as we get, get into this too, that's something we've really taken um, a lot of great pains and measures to, um, to make sure that we're not taking advantage of artists or just um, directly plagiarizing work. Um, we're not even really trying to make music money off music at all. We're really trying to make a tool, but that's what I would say is probably you know the biggest issue yeah. right now with music AI. Yeah. So you've got on the copyright side, it's really about what what people are ingesting. Intellectual property, really, yeah, yes. yeah, intellectual property. What what are mm -hmm. people ingesting to then generate, in a sense, AI derivative content based on? Um, mm -hmm. And then you mentioned sort of the deep fake or just the use of somebody else's voice or identity, which I guess is kind of like rights to publicity side of it as well. Um, I guess the other thing we haven't touched on yet, although it kind of comes up as you describe, Amy, that you're not trying to make money off of music is if you are a human that's using AI music tools, the other issue that I've seen arise is sort of who owns this. Um, and how are splits and royalties paid out as a result too? That's the other issue, the third, I guess the third issue that I've heard about a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I guess part of it is, you know, if you're using copyrighted music or, you know, owned intellectual property, you know, really got to be very careful about how you're then monetizing that. And I think so much of this in terms of the voice, you know, the voice synthesis and stuff and, you know, some of these more novel things are, are truly that it's just novelty and it's a fun kind of party trick. And um, it's neat to see what 
you know, what tech can do. But in terms of actual usefulness, I think that's really where we're trying to, in terms of business, what's the actual useful, you know, what's the use for these kinds of things? You know, what what really is going to advance music if you're just making songs that sound like? So, I mean, it's, it's a game, I think, almost, um, and maybe fun, but, you know, I did Drake or The Weeknd make less money because... Hmm. Everyone know, was talking about them that song. week. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so, you know, and did it av advance the, the world of music? Um, you know, maybe, maybe it um, got people inspired to, to make music or something. But I, I don't see how that kind of that kind of technology is necessarily driving things forward. Um, you know, I think and we'll get into this. I know you've got a few questions, but I think the, the usefulness of this compute power and these deep learning models and these neural nets and in these expert systems aren't aren't that novelty. I think it's actually going to um, improve the workflow um, for musicians in the way that some of the chat GPTs and you know some of these other language learning models have helped workflows in in other industries, um, you know, healthcare and and whatnot. You know, is definitely going to be affected by this too. So it's getting to the boring part. <laughs> I think we're I think we're getting all the fun like ooh cool. You know, you can sound like you can sound like the weekend. You can sound like you know this artist and or Beyonce or whatever is the the new voice that's coming out. Um, but what's the what's really driving that forward for human creativity? You know, so um, that's that's those are the areas of like what's the point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of all this. So I want to go back just a little bit to another boring yeah. part, maybe because <laughs> it's business yeah. model stuff. That third point that I brought up um, is not for me. It's not solely about are you making royalties off of content that was is derivative of sunset on somebody else's intellectual property? Even if an AI mm -hmm. platform or tool or instrument is using its own music for training data, there's still the question of who owns a track that's made on that platform, and that's the issue that I was talking about. Yeah. So, oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. term. It's it, it. The reason it's boring is because it's like, did you read the terms and conditions on the mm -hmm. website you went to to build a song? And uh, what you know? Uh, do you own it? Do they own it? Can you make revenue? Can you not make revenue? That's that's another one. That, and maybe we haven't gotten there yet as an industry to even talk about that because we're still busy talking about those first two issues: the issue of intellectual property as training. Uh, data and um, rights to publicity by sounding like or or claiming to be other people. Yeah, well, I can talk about um, on in terms of Amy. So right now we're we're not even creating songs. Um, we will get there, but um, the current experiences that we call them because it's, it's not songs, it's not necessarily tracks. Um, we have algorithms that create genre specific types of music based on ideas that are coming from humans and you know we've we've we're, you know, paid them to be a part of that so in that in that case you know they've been paid for their musical ideas and then there is no there's no content really to monetize because it's being created new always so that's what's slightly different about a continuously generative platform like amy versus you know i know and there's plenty of companies that are doing this that are saying we will help you create a song you know and then whether that song is being based on copyrighted material is you know probably part of you know the the internal business structure and i suppose you'd need to read the copyright um you read the terms whether or not you own that song or not and i suppose there's probably you know 
all sorts of, I, I'm not a copyright lawyer at all, so I don't want to speak too much <laughs> about it. And it, it's certainly something that um, the industry is grappling with clearly, but I've heard, I've heard stats that you know, something like, so normally there were about 60,000 songs being uploaded to Spotify every day. And now it's something like 150,000 songs every day. So clearly one, nobody's listening to all that. And two, you know, probably not all those copyrights are cleared. And three, you know, is anyone actually making money off of it at all? So, you know, what's again, this is going to play out as as uh, probably the music industry starts suing when when some obvious things um, come up and start actually making money off of copyrighted materials. But, um, you know, if there's no if there's no actual music, <laughs> if it's only being generated off of algorithms, that gets a little wishy-washy because it's, um, you know, there isn't even anything to own. You know, we own the algorithm, you know, that's been trained off of um, copyright cleared, you know, commissioned music um, in and, you know, made in collaboration with artists and professionals. Um, that's a slightly different business model than, okay, here's a song, now you're going to publish it and, you know, we're going to split up these royalties like the historic you know, copyright you know, royalty payouts have always done nine cents per play or whatever it is um, and split that up amongst our labels. Where is there a label involved? Do you own your masters? You know, all that stuff is still wrapped up in, you know, the old, the old system. And yeah, I mean, that's the, that, op that problem is going to be the same problem that's, that's always been the case. So who, you know, who is considered a publisher? Who's considered the master owner? Who's considered the rights owner? Who's considered the, the songwriter? And I suppose, yeah, depending on which tool you're using, I, yeah, I would recommend you reading the terms and conditions if you're gonna use a tool and then plan to make money off of um, a song that you produce with one of these new tools. Cause it's all a it's all little bit wild west um, in terms of, what that uh what what types of money and what types of tools you can be using so before we go started why don't you describe amy a little bit more so that our listeners who haven't checked it out yet yeah. just have a little bit of yeah. sense of this and then we'll, <laughs> we'll go good. back into our our issues and and use cases <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm realizing there's a lot of assumptions that come about you know ai music and you know again it's all the it's all the headlines that everybody comes to amy with you know, this sort of idea, but we call ourselves a, a generative music platform. And um, the reason the reason we're a platform and not, um, you know, a streaming service or a playlisting kind of, um, you know, maker or, you know, that kind of tool is because we've literally created a platform, an operating system, programming environment um, and scripts that allow us to capture different types of genres and then make music from that. So we use AI not as the primary, not as the primary, like we are an AI music company. We use it to disassemble music so that then our algorithms and expert systems can reassemble music in ways that can be steered and manipulated and actually be useful for both the listener. So you can manipulate um, what you're listening to on the app, in the experience, and for the musician that might be using our tools um, to actually create music. So that's sort of the difference. We're actually breaking down music itself and then sort of training it on, here's what 
here's what trap is. Here's what, you know, I'm a piano is. And this is how you, our system can now then make new music that can loop forever or that can be used by hobbyists or professional musicians to ideate, to, you know, remixed master produce their own uh, musical ideas in collaboration with that expert system. So it really is a tool. Um, so we have a few products that um, are being built on top of that platform and that script. One is um, our website, which has um, several Amy music experiences that have been created um, via these expert systems. We've had um, professional producers that have basically tr helped us train uh, up on mixing and mastering and producing techniques that now are incorporated into these various types of um, music. And a lot of it's ambient um, right now. Um, uh, but there are going to be a lot more new experiences and new genres that are going to be coming um, actually soon. We've got about 200 artists that we're working with right now um, oh. to, to produce um, some new types of experiences. We also have our app, which is um, an interactive. So this is more fun for the listener. So we expose kind of what's going on underneath the hood a little bit in kind of a fun gamified way. Um, and allow you to kind of mix and match what you want to hear. So you can start with a genre experience and then you can drill down into, I want to hear more or less bass. I can, I want to hear more or less vocals. I want to hear more or less organic versus synthesized types of sounds and on and on and on. You can also adjust how fast the new, how fast Amy's algorithm is exploring these ideas and say, you know, I really like this idea, but I'd like to kind of move along a little bit. Um, and then um, you can also thumbs up and thumbs down, um, like areas that you really like. And we're capturing all of that data, which is going to go back and retrain the algorithm. Um, obviously, you can go on and on. And you know, the artists that are producing that can also get that um, that data to say, hey, people really seem to like this this thing here, but they want to hear, you know, less bass or less tops, or, you know, they really like the vocals on this. So you can go on and on and on about, you know, what kind of data that we're capturing in terms of both the um, music making experience and the music listening experience. So that's the app. So the next, you know, the obvious next <laughs> step is um, actually making music alongside our, um, our professionals that have already done it as a hobbyist, as a professional musician, using this system to make your own continuous looping music, um, or, you know, songs that you might want to, you know, download, take it into your dog, you know, bring it into Ableton and mix and match from there. So, um, yeah, so that's gonna be called studio and then we'll have a pro for professional musicians that will expose even more and allow you to manipulate and make your own music um, using our system. So interesting. I'm, I'm it's glad. A lot, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to have the explanation. The the, the, the lightest yeah. version, the web version that you mentioned, sounds almost like what Instagram filters did for photography in a way. Like you could take something and put mm. this other thing on top of it, and it becomes it's still there, but it becomes something a little bit different. So it's a, a lighter tool to just change what you're listening to, but it sounds like you guys are going deeper and deeper and deeper um, beyond yeah. something that light. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that because, it, yeah, I remember having that experience with Instagram and going, oh, wow, now my now my pictures are beautiful, right? Um, and I sound like a, you know, I can take pictures like a professional. And now you can sort of see the these were the original tools, but now you can go um, on and on. But you're exactly right. It's, it's sort of that democratization of music that you hear people talk about. 
um, how do I, as maybe not a professional music maker, make beautiful music too? I've got ideas, you know, there are certainly, you know, new, new companies that are starting to make, you know, make songs from humming, you know, a tune or whatever. There's going to be a lot of that. Um, but yes, uh, being able to expose that to people and allow people to play with it and not just with text, um, I think is going to be, um, is going to be really a big innovation for both people that want to be hobbyists, but also professional musicians um, that, you know, just need to save time on yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to ask you about musical creativity and AI. We've kind of started there, but let's get deeper into it. We'll be right back. Is your startup a narwhal? Applications are now open for Music Tectonics Swimming with Narwhals startup pitch competition. Apply at musictectonics.com by August 8th, 2023. That's also where you'll find eligibility requirements, a timeline, and some helpful FAQs. Forget unicorns and shark tanks, apply to Swimming with Narwhals and join Music Tectonics community of music innovators. You could be one of four finalists in the spotlight at Music Tectonics' fifth annual conference, October 24th through 26th in Santa Monica, California. It's the place to be for music innovation startups, whether or not you reach the finals. We'll have a startup carousel demo day on the Santa Monica Pier. Panels and networking with everyone you need to meet, from investors to labels, and a very special startup boot camp at the Universal Music Group offices. Come swim with the narwhals. Apply at musictectonics.com, get your conference badge, and meet us in California. Okay, we're back. And Brooke, as I mentioned before the break, I'm curious, how do you think about generative AI and music as it relates to musical creativity? We talked about some of the issues. We got into a little bit about where Amy is going specifically. But how does this all relate to musical creativity, non-AI music, and the future where things are going? Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, what we were talking a little bit about before the break was um, the idea that, you know, AI has the ability to take out some of the mundane versions, uh, parts of making music. Well, the, really the mundane parts of making anything. But um, some specific examples of that are, you know, mixing and mastering. So some of that takes a long time to do and you have to have a professional studio or you have to have somebody doing that. This is stuff that can be captured um, through AI and um, really will take a lot of time out of the music making process. We've got it to where it's happening instantly. Um, So there's that, you know, otherwise there's a billion use cases for what people are already doing with AI you know, stem splitting, ideation, songwriting, you know, lyrics. Um, gosh, I could go on and on and I probably should have in- taken better notes. I'm trying to think like <laughs> even like music for visuals, um, you know, soundtracking for mood music and commercial use cases, um, continuous music for gaming, um, you know, all that kind of stuff is, you know, really, really useful in terms of just like the mundane part of being um, a musician, um, not that that's all mundane, but some of it can be really um, task oriented and tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in terms of you know just using the tools in terms of creativity, there is a lot to having that idea spark. Um, so you have an idea and maybe you've been grinding on something, something you know akin to writer's block. 
and you put it into you know one of these tools and it spits something out that maybe you would have never even thought about going that direction i think that's really appealing and that's an immediate um it's an immediate use case um, for people and how they're using it now so that again it's not doing it for you but it's sort of sparking that sparking that direction um, for you and the fact that you can then in publish it instantly is just makes it makes it all the more more better but um i think it's pretty funny that you um rattled off a bunch of interesting use cases and then said i should have thought of more i'm like actually each one of those was plenty like you might have to slow down <laughs> probably 50 more yeah, yeah no but 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 seriously like you know um i think partly what i'm hearing you say is that there are you, you refer to them as mundane things but really i think in terms of like they're just they just take a lot of time to do something if you want to separate out stems and then do something it takes a lot of time if you want to make mm -hmm. a type of music that has a more adaptive quality not because you're excited about ai or because you want to rip somebody off or uh or or whatever you specifically just have it there are these emerging digital use cases that make sense in a different way like it's not you know, video games is a great example you used of like, well, how does it adapt and how does it extend and how does it change up based on what's happening for the for the player? You know, like when you thought about and you mentioned with video too, like there's been a lot that's been done on the innovation side of music to figure out how to make music work better for video or vice versa. And everyone knows that at least the way that I put it, and I've probably said on past episodes, music is the owns the emotion in film and TV, like <laughs> you, you, you watch exactly. it with emotion or you watch it with music, you watch it without music and you can like, you just feel differently. Um, but now you have to apply that to all these other digital experiences like, like video games, for example. I mean, I wish there were soundtracks inside my zoom calls, like automatically generated that mm -hmm. changed the energy of the quote room, <laughs> something like that. Like nobody's invented that yet. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. That's kind of the kind of thing that we're trying to do. So I mentioned the app allows you to customize the experience, but that can be true in a real venue too. And that's what I keep thinking is like, we've got all this data that we're collecting on our watches and, you know, our heart rates and, you know, temperature and all this kind of stuff that we that we know about. And we know that our bodies interact with music and these experiences. Why aren't we piecing this all together? And that's that's really what we're trying to do. So, you know, being in a conference, for example, and being able to say, you know, we really need to pump up the energy. pump up the jams a little bit or the energy or bring it down. It's time to calm people down. And we know there's been plenty of psychological research about what happens with music um, in terms of, you know, affecting moods and, you know, affecting the vibe of a place. And it's like, it's one thing to have a DJ going, okay, we're gonna, you know, play this, play this something and do that live. Like you can actually potentially automate it or at least give somebody like you as a conf conference host the ability to just kind of let's let's turn down the progression a little bit let's go a little more organic with that you can see you know really how you could just keep going with i love it i love it if there's any there's speak a, too fast about it because yeah. you can really you can see what we're talking about when you start imagining if it there's anybody further. out there in music tectonics land who wants to partner on having a music experience that you've already licensed at Music Tectonics. Maybe as people register, they listen to a one-minute something to get them in, to get to get their brainwaves going in the right direction. Or yeah. as you know, as we're transitioning from, you know, sessions to a break or a party or whatever. <laughs> let me know. Or, yeah. or lock in yeah. learnings. Maybe we need a musical experience where people can lock in learnings as they, you know, are leaving at the end of the day. <laughs> 
Seriously, we should do a we should do a music tectonics Amy experience. All we right. could absolutely do that. So all right, if if it happens, <laughs> you, you guys to be too pitchy, but actually, it would be a good idea. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> So uh, just, just you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go too far off our, our topic um, before moving on. But w- when we were talking about creativity, you talked about these use cases, and and I think partly what you're saying is there's, t- you know, AI can be used to create these tools that actually bring more creativity or expand what the playing field is for music making, whether it's in the form of splitting up stems and mastering and mixing, or if it's in the form of creating new formats for other types of digital experiences, etc. But um, I guess I, I, I guess I, 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 what I'm hearing you say is there's a lot of tools that become available as a result that can lead to more creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Okay, cool. So I want to go back to one more tough issue, and then we'll go back to the more like future uh, visioning and stuff, just because... <laughs> You know, I'm sorry. I'm very focused on business models and the music industry, and I'm interested in disruption. But I also want to—I always want to explore like how can you simultaneously innovate but also bring everybody along for the the ride. So I'm going to throw out one more of these tough questions, and then and then we'll go future finding again and and uh, <laughs> trend spotting. What measures do you think should be put in place to support existing artists? You're an artist and record labels. Yeah. Um... I think education is probably key on on all sides, um, and that's pretty broad, but also really important. So, education. What do I mean by that? So, clearly, understanding copyright in general is weirdly complicated. So, as as a musician, as a music manager, as a you know person who's licensed music um, for. Um, use cases or, you know, paid my PROs for, you know, having a venue. There's so much that just happens and that's been in place for a very long time that so few people understand, like surprisingly, this is a, this is a, shouldn't be such a big secret, but really people who are doing this for a living true don't fully understand that. And, you know, there's about, you know, licensing and publishing and um, rights holding. And there's plenty of people who have taken a lot of advantage of that. Um, and that's there's plenty of documentation on that and we know that's true nonetheless there's new musicians coming in every day there's new people trying to create products that will quote unquote solve or fix the music industry that still don't understand the true issues behind what is causing what's causing broke artists or what's causing some of this um you know some of the issues in terms of you know copyright piracy and, you know, not actually even being able to get paid and, you know, black boxes of um, royalties that are out there and both sides not knowing how to get to the right person. And, you know, there's, there's all that. And it's like, that education just needs to be there. And it's, and it's murky and muddy for, by design, really. Um, And it's, it's unfortunate. And there's plenty of people who are out there educating educating people but as we start to advance <laughs> that education is going to need to be right there beside um it all the way and that's including for the people who are creating new products again that are quote unquote supposed to be fixing the music industry even though they may not understand what the problems are and for the um those who want to be artists or want to be hobbyists or want to you know be professionals in this space understanding what it is that they're getting into um there's plenty of people who've been you know, wary of music labels because they might take advantage of you. That's not inherent to a music label. It's like, read the deal, read what you're getting into, 
I think this is kind of to your point earlier about uh, who owns the music. It's understanding the deals and understanding the terms in which you're um, operating that's going to be necessary. And it's not fun. Um, so I guess those measures in place, like one, try not to take advantage of musicians. <laughs> I think that's just like that can be built into a music model. If you if you actually want to support musicians, try not to take advantage of them or, you know, try and monetize every single moment of, you know, the experience. Um, I think that's just being, you know, a decent, you know, ethical, mm. you know, business owner or, you know, human. <laughs> um, but yeah, just having access to education saying like, what is it that I'm actually doing right now? And it's, it's not, it's weirdly complicated. And I've, I've read a lot of books on this kind of situation and still probably not, I do not consider myself even close to an expert at all. You know, it's like knowing what to be comp, uh, you know, conscious of, but so yeah, in terms of measures, um, you know, more dashboards, I suppose, um, about like, here's what, here's what this is going to mean. You do this and that will, that will equal this, or now you've done this. And so that means bringing in, you know, this amount of money or, um, you know, this amount of, you know, people or fans, or now you've got this. So, um, um, I'm not sure if I answered your question in terms of measurement, just trans measures is transparency, um, you know, ethical terms, um, and generally, um, making sure that people understand what it is that they're what they're getting into um, in terms of historical um, business and, you know, f the future and what it is that it's solving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is is, you know, artists are looking at what's going on with AI and music and wondering, like, is this going to be another thing that they have to fight against? Um, and I think record labels and publishers are also, you know, wondering, although some of them are jumping in and saying, yeah, you know what, this is another, this is another revenue model, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's I mean, an opportunity I can be honest, we're, we're working with labels and I can talk about this. This is something that's coming, but we're working with labels to, to be able to say, hey, now you can, um, I can't say who, but <laughs> there's some major independent labels that we're going to be working with that, you know, you can put your musical ideas in and then collaborate with um you know some of your favorite artists on making new music experiences those that are jumping into that that is a new that's not going to replace the music industry it's not going to suddenly say like okay brooke jackson and all these other you know musicians are now like you know taking over but as a as a hobbyist and as somebody who might have fun with that that's a fun that's a fun tool for me to use um is that going to change the direction of the music industry no but i think it's another it's another lane um for people yeah to, to dive in there's definitely monetization there so um i was on a yeah. um there's a there's a festival here in bloomington called um grand falloon and i was on a panel with one of the members of sun lux and uh pat kearns from the pat mm -hmm. kearns duo and it was on kind of music and creativity Love and te technology and uh I was sort of the I was sort of the um I was the rabble rouser on the panel and I was <laughs> and it was sort of I was sort of putting out there this idea of like you can you know you can sort of fight against these things but these things are go going to happen in our society you can you can kind of be off on the side doing your own thing you know like if you're an acoustic musician that loves analog equipment i mean pat kerns actually said that his when what what's the technology that he's focused on he lives off the grid he's got solar power and he says the electricity that comes through to his studio is so pure that it sounds different in the 
in the, in the in the musical gear that he's the audio gear that he's using. There's less of a buzz, and he loves wow. that. And I'm like, shit, that is kind of innovative. That's it's not disruptive. It's like the opposite of disruptive, um, and it's the opposite of Jimi Hendrix who wanted more buzz or <laughs> or whatever. But it was really interesting wow. to talk about. And you know, my my I was kind of pushing to say, hey, I mean. There's an opportunity. There's a revenue opportunity here if you can figure out how to do it. But then later, I was feeling kind of guilty. I was sort of like, those guys are artists for the sake of making art. They don't give a shit what's happening <laughs> in the technology world necessarily. I mean, Sunlux, mm-hmm. I think, had a whole other ta- take on it and definitely uses, um, you know, a lot of computer-based stuff. But um, but I was feeling a little bit bad, like <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't be. Pu- pushing in those directions like no make make whatever music you want but you know what i was saying is ultimately you might need a way to protect your digital identity <laughs> actually depending yeah. on how big you are and so forth so no you, you said it it's coming it's coming whether you want it to or not so it, as long as you are embracing the fact that the only constant is change you know that cliche but you know this can be useful you don't have to embrace you know whatever ai music you know or generative music to to understand that this is going to change things yeah protections i suppose are are part of it um and understanding you know what copyright issues might come up i guess are are part of it but um yeah no you're you're absolutely right and i think um i think those that can lean in and embrace the fact that there's going to be change there's going to be plenty of opportunities and it doesn't have to be you know everything's you know everything's going to be terrible for artists that's not going to be true um at all it it could actually be great and um, make life better for artists at least that's my that's my hope and that's why i've joined these kinds of companies all right i've got a few more questions for you um but we got to take a quick break when we come back i want to ask you what other companies you're tracking in ai we'll be right back The 2023 Music Tectonics Conference is coming October 24th, 25th, and 26th in Santa Monica, California. This is our fifth annual conference, and we are making it our best yet. Our keynoter is Mengru Kwok, CEO of BandLab, with a unique global perspective on how the convergence of music creator tools with the music industry is already shaping the future. Check out the growing speaker roster at our website, musictectonics.com, with music tech investors from firms like Sony Ventures, Plus 8 Equity Partners, and Waverly Capital, and big thinkers from Spotify, Tidal, Splice, Lander, Billboard, and more. Hey, you're listening to this podcast. Don't you think you should be there too? Get your early bird ticket at musictectonics.com and join the music tech innovators. See you in Santa Monica. All right, Brooke. Um, what I'm, I'm curious to know what other companies you're tracking in AI and music that that interest you. Yeah, so there's a lot of companies doing music AI right now. I think um, Water and Music, which I know you mentioned, I came from, and I really admire every all the work they're doing. They've got something like 85 companies on a list that are doing something around AI music, um, and everybody's got a niche. And there are some companies who are doing really well on that um just a few off the top of my head are like boomy um never before heard sounds um can't remember the company's name but um the artist um holly herndon and matt dryhurst are doing some really interesting things in terms of vocal synthesis and again taking taking this technology and showing what can be done creatively um i i think it's just neat to watch um what these companies are doing and some of them 
are focused on games or, you know, continuously looping music. Um, Some are more focused on, um, yeah, songwriting. I really should take the names, but yeah, I'm sort of watching the space as more broadly than, you know, maybe specific companies. Mm -hmm. I'd say the specific companies that I'm watching are, of course, OpenAI, which is just, you know, really blowing the lid off of what is possible in terms of creative AI and also the way that they are so quickly integrating with our day-to-day workflow. So I think that version, whoever whoever can like start to integrate that kind of, this makes sense for my day-to-day life for musicians um, is probably going to be who I'm watching for mm. the most. So, you know, everybody's got like a slightly different niche right now. And I think um, and hopefully what, you know, Amy is trying to do is, is sort of integrate into the day-to-day life of either a hobbyist or professional musician um, in the way that ChatGPT has um, and the way, you know, even like MidJourney and Dolly 2 are, um, you know, making what used to be incredibly complicated um, digital creation instantaneous which is which is crazy so everything they do i'm really <laughs> quite interested it's, in. i, I kind of want to push on something here a little bit because when you mention the companies that are going to help musicians and 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 boomy is one of the companies you're tracking on and we've had boomy on the podcast and at the conference oh, and yeah. uh really intriguing model and it feels like there are some companies that are helping, specifically helping people who already identify as musicians. Maybe they're already trying to make a go. I know you've talked about hobbyists versus professionals, but I think there's a tier, another tier even, I don't want to say below, but maybe to the left of hobbyists, which don't even think of themselves as hobbyists. That's more like, oh, here's a thing. I can manipulate sound in a way I never could before. I can create something else there. And to me, it seems like that's both the potential a potential threat for a traditional music industry and also a f- potential opportunity like it could actually grow the market as well yeah. and, but it's kind of interesting to think about like these different you know that's not mastering necessarily <laughs> you know that's not like automated uh-huh. mastering or, or something like that it might be automated mixing but it's probably more and it's not quite automated ideation which you referred to earlier in the podcast but it's more like a musical emoji or <laughs> you know it's like really light <laughs> you know it's like yeah yeah well so the way we talk about it is um like casual listeners and that's the just hit play and i suppose there's casual musical music makers too yeah. who can just hit go you yeah, know? yeah yeah oh, cool you know and then yeah kind of color it with our you know with the various like tools and i think that's i think that's great anything that brings people into into just you know playing or you know getting to sort of shape the world around them i think that's always that's always interesting now again i know boomy i think i saw stats you you spoke to them but something like mil- tens of millions of songs that have been created or something like that and i mean <laughs> are are we listening to them i i mean i i, yeah. I guess are they good i guess i haven't really listened a lot um and maybe it doesn't matter like if the point is to just create and and have fun with the music making process then you know is that going to destroy the music industry probably not (laughs) you know it's like a different category it's a different category yeah 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 yeah. so what what do you think the impact's going to be of ai music in the next five to ten years brooke i probably sound like a broken record but i really think that the 
the pros are going to be able to, um, you know, reduce the time to do the more tedious tasks that don't feel like the fun part of creating music. So, um, you know, again, that mixing and mastering, that's a big deal. Um, you know, some of the some of the you know visual to music stuff that just takes you know digging through catalogs or maybe you know spending time watching the music and putting uh or watching the video and putting music that fits to that i think a lot of that stuff that is a little more tedious is going to go away and um open up time for people to either you know create new ideas um you know maybe tweak and, you know, perfect those kinds of sounds or do you even, you know, this is why I like artists. And again, we're not just focused on artists, we're focused on everyone, but I kind of don't know what people are going to do with it because anytime there's a new technology, somebody takes it in a direction that you would have never even expected. But I think on the, on the simplest, um, on the simplest side, the, the more mundane, tedious tasks are, are, going to go away. Um, I also think because, you know, we were just on this point, there's going to be so much music and there's already still so much music that I think curation is going to come back. Um, and, you know, having experts that can sort of guide you through your experience, whether that's, and I would say probably human, you know, sort of Oh, I'm excited. You're getting me excited. I, I want that back, Brooke. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just see, I don't see how that's not going to be the case. And of course, we, like recommender algorithms are definitely going to come into play in terms of this too, um, which is which is helpful. But I mean, information overload has been something that's been, you know, rising over the last 20 years. And in music, it's just, I keep coming, <laughs> there's no way anyone's going to listen to most of the songs that are being produced. And I think I've, I, don't, I saw some stat of just like catalog music is, is by far and away what most people are listening to because people just go back to the thing that they already know. Um, and that's not to say that people aren't interested in um, new sounds or new experiences or new music. In fact, they definitely are. It's just, where do you even start when there's 150,000 songs uploaded a day? You're never gonna get, you're never gonna work your way through it. And so you're just gonna keep going back to where you were, but you can find people or critics or expert curators that can you know, guide you through the experiences and allow you to have, you know, a new sonic experience that, um, you know, may inspire or, you know, may you know, enlighten you um, or even, you know, encourage you to do something of your own. Um, I think that's going to be a necessary la layer that's going to need to be um, entered in and whether that's a human um, or whether that's a, you know, AI assisted human <laughs> to help that that person guide too, um, or whether that's you know a new a new system in itself to help guide us through you know say I like this kind of thing please help me um, you know curate that I, I imagine that that's all gonna I, I think that's all gonna be coming. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about the human curator, not only did I get excited because I miss having DJs or go-to people that that just kind of know a scene. It's not just that they and they have certain relationships where data emerges for them sooner than for others. 
they've created some mm-hmm. ecosystem of knowing what's emerging that I've always I've missed since we've moved to kind of the s- cos- cosmic jukebox and and uh, algorithmic playlisting and and things like and also the monetized playlisting which just kind of fucks everything up yeah. a little, a little yeah, bit exactly. but it, as you were talking it reminded me of the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell and he talks about like I think he opens the book talking about art experts being to, being able to look at a uh, what what appears to be an an ancient or antique or something Greek sculpture, and saying, well, we can we can send it in for analysis and find out, but I already know it's a fake. Like a human, this is I, just by looking at. It, I'm not even. I'm ten feet away from it. I can already tell. There's something stylistically there that I know that that's you know. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I can tell it's a fake. That is a fake. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. that idea that there's so much complexity going on in the brain that yes, you can you can eventually train a lot of AI to do certain things. But there's that sort of element. Maybe maybe it'll be yeah. you know re- rep- replicable by technology. But there's that sort of element of. Yeah, but there's some other piece of this where just you need a human brain to tell another human brain this is what you're doing or this is what you're looking at or this is the stuff to check out, which is super interesting. Yeah, and that goes deeper. I don't know if you saw the the response that Nick Cave gave to the fan who made a Nick Cave version song, and I think he nailed it. He nailed the whole idea of what we're all feeling a little, you know, ugh, off about, about like AI creation, like, you know, writers are on strike and they're worried about AI taking their jobs. And, you know, for, for good reason, there's plenty that's going to be done um, faster and quicker um, by our AI tools. But the fact is, you know, human or, you know, computers don't have human experiences and therefore the poetic sort of humanity in art and poetry and music that we feel like someone else has been through this too. And you sort of look to the art to find solace or solidarity or, you know, a, a, a better way to explain it, what it is that you're feeling, either good or bad. And um, we know inherently <laughs> that if it wasn't written by a human, it makes you feel lonelier. It doesn't, it doesn't provide that solace or that solidarity or that, you know, understanding. It's, it's almost meaningless. So um, again, I think doing just letting computers <laughs> do their thing, and again, it's not, none of this is being done without human input to begin with. We know this, um, but without even a hand on the wheel in terms of this creation, it's going to not feel. It's not going to feel like anything. So again, I think all the way down the line, ten years, you know, five, ten years down the road, we're, there's still going to be humans alongside this. So that's why I keep going back to these are tools you know, that we can use, not, you know, this is the future of art. Whew, thank goodness. Well, Brooke, this has been a blast. Brooks with Amy Music. You can check them out at amy.fm. Amy is A-I-M-I dot F-M. Brooke, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I hope to see you at the Music Tectonics Conference this year. Thank you so much. Yes, I hope so too. So get back in, get back in real life. It'll be yeah. great. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know we do free monthly online events that you, our lovely podcast listeners, can join? Find out more at musictectonics.com. 
And while you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference and sign up for our newsletter to get updates. Everything we do explores the seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. Connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it. We'll be back again next week, if not sooner. You're listening to Music Tectonics.